Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Postables, you're listening to Deliver Me a Podcast, brought to you by Casey, Jess, and Cami. A special thanks to James Jandrish for letting us use music on our show. Now, grab some YooHoo, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, Postables. Today is a red letter day because joining us is Oliver O'Toole himself, Mr. Eric Mabius. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Let me tell you, everybody is so excited to hear from you. I mean, oh my word, <laughs> Twitter blew up. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. <laughs> I posted that we'd be talking to both you and Jeff, and I mean, it was like Twitter was exploding, Facebook was exploding. <laughs> Everyone that wants been to so nice. I miss Jeff so much. I miss my castmates. It's oh, fun to do this because it makes me feel a little bit closer to the show again because I think everyone's going through significant cases of withdrawal mm-hmm. yes absolutely mm-hmm. yeah it's been two years since the last movie too so um we has are it really mm-hmm. yeah oh my God. I, I know crazy no isn't it <laughs> wow yeah so needless to say we are very excited to get back into the DLO and um see more stories about Shane and Oliver and Rita and Norman and everybody <laughs> and drink more I'm yoohoo. So, exactly. <laughs> I'm so excited to read the next script. I'm just dying. dying. Oh, I bet. Uh, yes. Yeah. Martha is very excited about what she's come up with. I just think oh. she's uh held back till we're um and holding back showing us the script till we're closer to shooting. Oh, oh man. man, to be in that room when you guys get the first look at the script. Wow. <laughs> I can only imagine. I know, yes. My so- best guess is I spoke to the producers a few weeks ago. It, I think it looks more like something like late October is my guess. Okay. Um, for the next one. Because they have to, I mean, they have really strict. Uh, protocols in place for um, for opening back up production mm-hmm. in Canada. Right. I have yeah. Kevin Kevin Fair, who directs most of our movies, and is a dear friend of mine. He's working on other Hallmark movies right now, but they just they sort of in the many months that things have been shut down, they've been forced to uh, cast a lot of these Hallmark movies with exclusively Canadian actors because then they don't have mm-hmm. to go through the process. And right, and the quarantine. Which involves, and... It involves strict quarantine uh, two weeks for the first two weeks you arrive. And you're not allowed, other than going to work, you can't leave your house mm-hmm. the entire mm-hmm. shoot. And uh, if you do, you get uh, fined a million dollars. How amazing is that? Whoa! <laughs> yeah. It's pretty. Wow. And they do check up on you, uh, from what I understand. Wow. 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 That's intense. That is yeah. very intense. So where does that money That's how, go? Oh, wait, someone should tell, <laughs> someone should just tell a president that would be the solution to 
COVID in the United States. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so speaking of quarantine, how have you been doing during this time? It looks like you've been spending some time outdoors, I guess, in, at your property. I, I saw blueberries. Oh, but, and I mean, I live in the woods. It's, it's so... It's the area I grew up in, and I've been appreciating it more. I'm not just saying this, but I appreciate it more every day I wake up because the nearest neighbor is an old cemetery, you know, with um, Civil War uh, veterans buried there. I mean, that's the closest closest neighbor I have. I open my door, and there there's a waterfall and a, a raging brook right outside the door, and I've just been... Um, to have this that you can sort of pretend for hours and hours during your day that the world isn't in this upside down place. It's really wonderful and peaceful. And I've spent more time with my sons over the last several months than I have, I think, the most uninterrupted time I've ever had with my children, which mm-hmm. is such a blessing and mm-hmm. such a gift. Um, so, I mean, I can't complain. I really can't. It's uh, and getting to the, the to-do list that's a mile long and that's been building for years since I moved in in this place. It's, it's a great sense of accomplishment. And um, yeah, yeah I, I can't complain. Everyone's healthy um, and happy in my family. And that's, yeah. that's worth everything. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's awesome. That is wonderful. You live in Massachusetts, is that correct? I do, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. A wood, a wood in Massachusetts. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. For a bunch yeah, of Southern right. girls here. <laughs> yeah. Well, well two of us. The, the Berkshire mountains. It's really kind of a, a progressively minded, um, peaceful part of Massachusetts. But most people just know of Boston, but in Western Mass, there's a lot of, uh, there's Tanglewood and there's a lot of artist communities mm-hmm. and um, dance troops and, you know, there's a, been a great tradition here in Western Mass. A lot of um, famous musicians mm-hmm. um, lived in, live in this part of the state. And um, it's just the winters are beautiful and the summers are, you know, very green and, and hot, but not too hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the 80s, most, most of the time. Wow. Yeah. Casey, can you imagine 80s? I know. I know. <laughs> it's like summer. 100 degrees down here and 100% humidity. Yep. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it goes down to like the low 60s at night. It's great sleeping weather. Oh, gosh. <laughs> We're so jealous. <laughs> That's winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we did. Uh, when I was a kid, we would, um, I used to live in Connecticut and we would ski up mm-hmm. in the Berkshires. So, um, fond childhood memories up there oh there you go yeah <laughs> it's my connection to yeah the other thing, having close, having close ski um ski mountains is really nice because mm-hmm. in the summer you can go biking and hiking in the winter you can go skiing it's pretty neat yeah that's awesome yeah. so let's segue back into um some of your more recent non-assigned still delivered projects we're gonna save sign still deliver for the very end because that's what we know everybody has been waiting and dying for um and you've done a couple of hallmark christmas movies since sign still delivered welcome to christmas and it's beginning to look a lot like christmas several years ago i reconnected with an old friend i did um i think it was a Lifetime movie many, many years ago uh, with him. His name is Jim Head. 
Uh, and mm -hmm. we sort of stayed in touch a bit and we, we became friends from working on this movie. It was um, Sarah Paulson and, and me. Um, can't remember the name of the movie, but it was a, a Christmas. Um, we're supposed to, I have to get back in time for our wedding. Kind of a, it was a cute, neat movie, but we bumped into each other at the uh, TCA event probably four years ago, I want to say four or five, and we decided we want to work together again. So we set to pitching the executives. We usually pitch once a year, and we will pitch romantic comedies and um, Christmas movies, sort of several examples of each. Some are based on uh, existing books. Uh, book series that are successful. Uh, the Welcome to Christmas was a series of books about a town named Christmas in Colorado. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do another one of those yet, but um, so so it's it's really wonderful because I get to con you know control certain aspects of production and I get to have input, creative input, and help shape the script um, and being. Being a part of other aspects of production is, is really rewarding to me. And to really to work that closely with someone uh, like Jim and to, to not to get along so well after the process and to even be closer from it is, is a rare thing. He's probably one of the most talented producers I've ever worked with. And, um, and it's, it's really fun. I had a lot of fun with this last. A Christmas movie that we did uh, with Trisha Helper. She's such a pro and such a sweet, talented, kind human being. And it was nice. I mean, uh, we could get right to it. It was so nice to be able to, before it become, it became, you know, the hot um, button topic. It was something that's always been important to me to not have a movie uh, with just a bunch of white people standing around talking. It was just, it was nice to um, have to cast friends in the movie that happen to not, you know, all be white and to really fill out the, um, the film and have it be more representative, I think, of a cross-section of life in, in the States. So it's, it was, it, I just love working with Jim and I love working for Hallmark because it's, you know, the experiences continue to become more and more rich over time. I really do. Are you uh, are you starting to prefer the behind the camera work, or do you still do you still prefer being an actor in them? Uh, I I think the combination. I'm in a really kind of sweet spot right now. Where I, yeah, definitely. I, I, I sort of get, you know, Jim does all. I'm not going to lie. Jim does all the heavy lifting when it comes to, you know, a lot of the boring production meetings that one has to sit through and. Um, you know, location scouting, a lot of that stuff. I'll, I'll sit in on, on, you know, some of the meetings, but uh, certainly the casting ones are important and the calls that we have regarding the um, script notes with the writer and the executives and Jim. Uh, I think, and I can detach myself to a great extent when the cameras start rolling and I just get to vacation as the character and sort of let go <laughs> of the wheel. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's good to be able to compartment, compartmentalize in that way. And I think the results have been pretty good. It's always our goal to make a movie that, I mean, we know that you have to check off certain boxes, but to make a project that is um, substantial and it's not 
uh, sappy and it's not um, too convenient and just it feels real even though we're tuning in to watch a Hallmark movie for escapism I think there's you know for it to feel a little more uh, genuine I think is is an important goal mm-hmm. not to get too scholarly about it it, it's it's good for it's good for us to get scholarly about things, especially during the summertime, right? <laughs> so here is the burning hallmark question that doesn't involve SSD. Are we going to get a How to Fall in Love sequel? <laughs> I love Are that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> that's the first that's the first project that I personally ever saw you in. And I was like, wow this guy's really good me as well it's a fan favorite for sure it's a huge fan favorite yeah that was that was the first one i saw you in and then i happened to be channel surfing and i came across from paris with love like oh it's the guy from how to fall in love oh this is really good (laughs) and the rest is history so yeah that's a burning question i know that um i know that bart is interested in writing a sequel I think the uh, possibility exists. I think if the demand is there, then uh, it's entirely possible. All right, we got to start a Twitter campaign. Right, <laughs> Here we go. I know, I know the movie performed well, and I had a really great um, experience working with Brooke. She's a lot of fun and so funny. And uh, I think I mentioned, I tweeted that last week that I bumped into her at one of the TTAs, and oh, we had a nice did. chat. And, yeah, it's really sweet. And That's talented. nice. Like in any job, if you find someone you click with, it's it's just so nice and so I won't say rare, but it's you know when mm-hmm. you come across someone that going to work doesn't feel like going to work mm-hmm. uh, with, it's uh, it's pretty wonderful. Right. Well, lots of postables have lots of ideas. I guess <laughs> they do. <laughs> All right. So moving outside of Hallmark for a second, your most recent non-Hallmark movie was Inside Game. And so yeah. we're we're not huge sports people here, so we weren't aware of the uh, NBA betting scandal. And so we were interested, first, are you a big sports fan? And did you know about the scandal prior to getting the role? I was aware. I think everyone, at least kind of like a tertiary way, they were aware of the, the, um, the referee I mean, honestly, the NBA doesn't want any negative press takes away. It's a, it's a massive multi-billion dollar a year moneymaker. Mm-hmm. So anything that questions the validity of what they're doing, I mean, the games are shaped just like any referee can shape a game according mm-hmm. to favorites. I think that this, that Tim Donahue was a very good ref and he was also very good at um, covering up his preferences, but they all, I mean, it, it exposed uh, a bit of the nasty underbelly. All these referees have favorites. Um, the, I was not a huge sports fan. I mean, I love going to live sports, but growing up, I, I lived in the country and we, we were out in the woods all day long. You know, we'd come back for meals and we'd just play. We didn't, we only got like one and a half TV stations anyway with rabbit ears. So we, we, <laughs> yeah. have, we didn't have a lot of those kinds of distractions. I would listen to sports. I remember I have fond memories growing up, you know, in my dad and his workshop and we'd have the AM radio on listening to sports like that. 
you know, it leaves a lot to the imagination. That's sort of, I love, I love like, at, you know, summer afternoons listening to a Red Sox game on the, on the AM station, something like that. But so, no, and there were some, quite a few humbling moments. The learning curve was so steep. I, I try to look like I knew what I was doing. I had a real NBA coach, a uh, former, a retired um, NBA coach and an NCAA uh, sorry, referee, uh, coach me on uh, the basics. Okay. And um, I had to do a lot. You know, there are scenes where I had to make three free throws in a row, answer the phone, have a phone conversation all in one take, and then make another shot and then miss that one. And oh. we had to do it in one take. So, And there's like, a, you know, 50 crew members, 60 crew members standing around watching, waiting for me to do this because we have to do it as many times as it takes to get wow. that. Uh, and scenes where I had to look like I was, uh, the character I played would bet and played a lot of golf. So I had to look like I knew how to golf and I never played <laughs> golf in my entire life. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you show, up on, you show up on set because there's, again, it was in, you know, small budget movie, you don't have time to mm-hmm. get coached and become expert in these activities. So I'd show up in this crew standing around at like 7 a.m. on a golf course and I get a golf pro standing there and mm-hmm. teaching me how to do everything in five minutes. It's, it, was, <laughs> it was humiliating and humbling, but uh, I pulled yeah. it off. I'm a great pretender when I need to be. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. Yes. <laughs> And refing, That's literally your job description. So. Yes. <laughs> and refing in real life is a hard. I mean, I've never refed, but I cheered in high school, and I remember the refs were just as like action packed as the players because you're running up and down, and you have to make sure you're watching everything. I mean, I can't imagine having to pretend to be a ref, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's not easy. Those guys are in great shape too. I mean, running up and down. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I'm sure they would you know, cover 10 miles in the course of the game, just going oh. back and forth. Right, right. So much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, it was sort of embodying this time in Tim Donahue's life where things were spiraling out of control. Randall is a friend of mine who wrote and uh, directed the script. You know, he wanted me to, you know, put on 50 pounds and really sort of do a lot of this stuff. And we didn't have the luxury and of doing that, my doctor also told me that that wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of challenges. I'm pretty proud of the film. Scott Wolf was a lot of fun to work with. And um, they were just, you're not going to believe this, they were just about to open, I think they had a great distribution deal with Reels, the um, the cable channel, Reels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, Stars. I'm sorry. I think okay, it was Stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten. Uh, no, yeah, Stars, sorry. Uh, they were about to release the movie, uh, and the there were three friends in the story, mm-hmm. and the wife of um, the character named Baba, James Batista, uh, put an injunction against their film and sued them for defamation of character. So, oh, ooh. that's so, like, yeah. I think it's on Amazon Prime. So, if anybody wants to watch it, I believe you can okay. you can rent it there too. Which, it's fun, but I, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's definitely R-rated. It's not Hallmark. It's not Hallmark? <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> Don't watch with your kids. Yes. <laughs> They're young. Yeah. 
do not show your children this movie. <laughs> we know you love Oliver. We want to keep it that way. So. <laughs> well, Jess and I just watched The Wrong Planner that, you know, stars uh, Kristen and Crystal in it. And we were like, oh, we're not in Hallmark anymore. <laughs> but it's so funny. Oh, really? <laughs> what is it about? What, uh, what channel was it on? It the is lifetime. a Lifetime movie. The, oh, the, the movie that the movie that starred Kristen and Crystal, and uh, and Kristen was a uh, homicidal maniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess: it's someone being stalked and stalked by a murderer. There you go. Yes, basically. Ex, <laughs> someone's ex, possibly. Mm -hmm. I... Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And um, Kristen was the crazy one in this movie. Wow. So, yeah. It's a, it's a fun that's one. It's it's a fun, fun one to watch them in. I'll have to watch that. Funny. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not Hallmark, but I I always like seeing actors and things that are different from them. So, I'm looking forward to seeing um Inside Game. I'll probably try and get my husband to watch it with me. Yeah, <laughs> he'll actually I think he'll like it. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so the moment that all the postables have been waiting for. It's Yoo-Hoo time! I'm still delivering <laughs> questions. <laughs> so um, I, uh, going through stomach problems, I'd have a little bite of the Yoo-Hoo candy bar in honor. But, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll, stick I'll sip the, uh, it for you. I'll sip a box of Yoo-Hoo for you. <laughs> Great, yeah. I'll there you go. The, the, cup, the cup of tea I have right now. Probably. There you go. <laughs> is, is it, it dark <laughs> It's funny you mentioned um, actors doing other movies because Martha, whom we all keep in touch with, she's happy when you know we we're working on other projects. But she, I, by her own admission, she's a little bit jealous because she really sees us as our characters because the characters live in her mind mm -hmm, constantly. Yeah. She's sure. Out you know, future scenarios and scripts and choices for the characters. So she holds those, um, those roles very dear. So she always associates us only with those, those characters. So, so. <laughs> we do a she, little I bit of that she, ourselves. <laughs> I don't know if she would say it outright, but it feels a little bit like we are, our characters are cheating on our characters when we play other <laughs> ones. Or the actor or something, you know. <laughs> Tantamount to anyway. betrayal. <laughs> We're on loan out temporarily. <laughs> so in that light, are you drinking Darjeeling tea? <laughs> I am are you drinking keeping? chai. No, I'm not a big Darjeeling fan. I Oh no. I am yeah, I'm a, a tried and true chai drinker. Mm. Um, and uh, PG tips. I have a very special um, postable that sends me from England. She sends me PG Tips Gold. I drink that as well, which is a, a you know, kind of the top of the line um, British uh, tea. PG Tips Gold. What do they use? They use Assam. It's a blend. Assam oh. tea. Wow. <laughs> three blends of black tea. Yeah. And I drink that. Well, yeah, maybe I, Martha I will forgive tea. you. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> all right well to start us off on the ssd train first of all what drew you to the role of oliver um what drew me to the role i was 
I'll never forget it because I was going to China to start a movie when um, my manager sent me the script. It was called um, Dead Letters. It was called originally called Dead Letters. I'm pretty sure it was called Dead Letters, but that wasn't a title that would stick for Hallmark, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I was flying, flying to go do a movie in China, and I don't sleep well on airplanes, so I read the script, and by the time I had landed, I had already emailed uh, my manager that I would love to um, move forward with the process. Wasn't, you know, I'd done a few Hallmark things over the years. I did a Hall of Fame movie when I was uh, in my mid-20s that was so much fun. Of course, I grew up watching Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. They were like the sort of gold standard for, for movies of the week back in the uh, 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I did this movie with Patty Duke and Lolita Davidovich, and uh, I, and I loved it. I, the, there were some supporting roles played by um, Jennifer Garner and Sam Trammell and Justin Chambers. They had all the supporting roles in that, which was very funny. Um, and uh, I had a conversation. Once I landed in China in my hotel room uh, with Martha, because we were going to move forward, she just wanted to, we wanted to sort of get to know one another. Uh, she was on a cruise with her family at the time, and it was the middle of the night. So the story that I love hearing her tell, uh, she was in the closet in her cabin on the cruise ship in the middle of the night having a conversation with me while I was in my hotel. It was like, 2 a.m. or something and that was our and she uh martha has a quite a bit of history in western mass as well she uh went to williams college and is a trustee as well so there were a lot of uh common points and people that we had worked with in common there were just it was uh it, we clicked instantly and there was a sensibility that i understood about this this character about Oliver, who was loosely based upon elements, strong elements of Oliver, uh, based upon Martha's grandfather. Uh, and that's the thing about Martha's writing in general that I think imbues it with um, real meaning because she'll ask us questions about our lives, each of us at different times, when she's trying to um, get crack a story element or or intertwine real life in with our characters so so that it feels even more authentic or something that serves the story itself mm -hmm. but we become more committed i think as a result because there's a an, an intertwining um element of truth real truth um with each of these characters no family is without uh, complexity and i think uh, doing that really serves the characters and the story in a pretty immense way. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily um, lifted exactly from real experience, but there's a way in which she'll find something out and then change it a little bit and still uh, uh, you know, include that, that element in um, a movie or a character quality. Right.
Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we uh, interviewed uh, Crystal a while back and she mentioned um, how Martha incorporated a bit of herself into each of the postables. So like you said, Oliver is based off her grandfather. Um, did that affect the crafting of the character of, of Oliver in any way for you? Um, it, it did. It did because it's, I know how much uh, he meant to her. And there is something also about that era that I feel that I understood about what she was borrowing. There are certain elements like um, it, it made me think about my grandfather and mm -hmm. it made me think about that era of people, you know, the, um, the sort of era of World War II and the kind of um, intense strain the country and the world was, were going through and the Great Depression and people having to pull together and um, persevere and watch out for one another and take care of one another in a way that they, they hadn't had to, uh, you know, the world was, you know, hurtling itself into modern day, but there were still elements that still felt very old world, kind of like the collision of those things going on. And there's something um, about the character of Oliver. He has one foot sort of in, in, in different worlds and why Shane being introduced into his life was sort of pulling him, you know, rightly into the 21st century, but also the, the, the sharing that goes on between certainly all the postables, but um, in different ways, there's something about that, that wonderful tension between um, the old and the new worlds that there are elements of Oliver that, that Shane uh, ends up absorbing and vice versa. And they sort of fill out more, become more fully human in one another's presence. And Martha has a way of illuminating that, that I don't, I don't think it's with such skill in a way that I don't really see done very often. I mean, Martha is truly one of the great writers that I've had a chance to work with. Um, yeah, she's kind incredible. Of, I mean, and that we sentiment about, has been echoed. <laughs> we, we, we talk about growing up, being raised on certain types of shows, but that I don't, I think it's to a lesser extent nowadays because there's so much content, which is not to say there are like great t television constantly being made, but there were less, there were less touchstones, but being raised on a show like MASH, there was something, you know, I think MASH is still probably one of the greatest shows of all time because of it. The, the, um, the grayness of what it means to be a human being and, and times of war and, and how we uh, have to care for one another. And it, I get very, I get very uh, passionate when I start talking about Martha's writing because it's, it harkens back to a kind of TV that doesn't happen as much anymore. Shows like, like San Elsewhere. We, we call her the master weaver around here yeah. on, the, on the podcast because because of her uncanny ability to weave the storylines together and weave little lines that come to mean so much yeah we we are very big fans of her writing over here <laughs> I, don't, I mean i don't mean to uh say this in a manipulative way but she can she plays our heartstrings like a violin she really oh, does. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be sitting a read through and, you know, each, each one of us 
And when we know Kristen cries constantly during our reading. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the thing. And Jeff is sort of, Jeff can be deadpan and not, he keeps his cards close. That's part of the thing I love about his deadpan humor is comic timing is impeccable, but mm -hmm. there'll be like uh, once a read through where he can't stop himself from crying and he gets so frustrated. But the funniest thing is to watch him try and not cry. Oh, it's just like, it's pretty amazing. It really is. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's infectious. Well, this is asking you to uh, look back at a very broad spectrum, but do you have a favorite episode from the series and a favorite movie from the canon? I think there was something about, again, those, those great movies and TV shows that were made. One of the movies that I watched as a boy was uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> and when Martha wrote that scene where we have to go in front of the um, Senate uh, House subcommittee mm -hmm. um, to essentially beg for that um, soldier's life, it was, I mean, I get choked up just thinking about it. Um, but that that's probably the single most, um, certainly my favorite movie, but probably this, my single favorite scene of the 30 whatever hours of, of the show we've created. It's just, it has everything, you know? Yeah. And um, I could have acted in that scene for a week straight without tiring of it. Well, we all love that scene too. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody likes me. Go ahead. This is making me want to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yay. <laughs> so everybody loves the, uh, the dance at the dead letter office. Um, what? In the masterpiece. <laughs> and I just have to ask, how long did it take you to learn that dance? And who's the better dancer, you or Kristen? Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it was never a competition. You're working, you know, you have to work in concert with one another. Uh. I don't, I, I don't think either one of us are very good. And I think Kristen <laughs> would that as well. Um, I, you know, when it comes to ballroom dancing, I'm really bad because you are taking, it's like trying to teach someone an instrument. You have to feel the thing before any of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there was yeah. always sort of never enough, never enough time to have it become second nature, but I think we did, uh, again, a pretty good job of pretending. Yeah. Uh, you guys did an amazing <laughs> Very job. good job. <laughs> I mean, I was swooning, falling over on the floor during that, <laughs> that Oh, yes. I'm so. so glad, yeah. I mean, that was... We worked pretty hard at it, mm -hmm. uh, but we, you know, it was, it was something nobody liked to, I mean, that's the thing about being an actor. Nobody likes to be humiliated as an adult. I think it gets harder, and we don't put ourselves in positions to fall on our faces, literally and figuratively, uh, very often as we get older. But that is something that's still, um, it's, it's not painful because, for the obvious reasons, but it's painful because you, you as, as you learn, the dance, you start to realize how little you know. The more you learn, <laughs> you, you don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it was it was honestly fantastic. I mean, it's one of my favorite scenes for sure. Maybe I shouldn't admit um, my insecurities, but that is the truth. I don't think uh, I don't think, like I said, I don't think either one of us are terribly good ballroom dancers. But <laughs> I am not going to say that I'm better at it than Kristen. <laughs> Definitely not. You have to work with that woman. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I, I can't. Say it's not true, you know. No, right. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. So this is a this is a little bit of a controversial question among the three of us at Deliver Me a Podcast. The treasure what? box. Treasure box. <laughs> The yes. treasure box, yes. When Oliver and Shane were stuck in the bank vault, was yes. Oliver flirting with Shane? It's a it's a very big controversy <laughs> over here with the three of us. And on Twitter. And on, yes, Twitter. And on Twitter. Everyone has an opinion. It's become it's become quite the conversation. So what and I know that I know that you've uh you've answered it kind of, but uh is there is there an answer that you have about whether or not Oliver was flirting with Shane, or did he start to flirt and then stop himself? What's what's your opinion as the man who played him? I think, um, I think my job would if we were to put ourselves in their position, in that being stuck in a vault, being afraid of losing air. You know, it's, it's one of those, the plane is about to crash. What, what is the last thing you want to do before right. you die? Uh-huh. Uh, and so we are in unreal circumstances to begin with. I think it was sort of like time within time. If you stretch out those hours they were in there, it was, it was, that was going to be the end of their lives. So I don't, I really, the, the short answer would be not exactly. But I think that um, he was uh, able to be candid and to be emotionally available <laughs> in ways that he hadn't been able to because that was, you know, he, he wanted to admit that there was something going on inside him and she was stirring these feelings up in him before he died. I don't think that, I don't think it was a, a, a classic case of was he, or a question of uh, was he flirting or not. I think he um, felt uh, incredibly uh, responsibly towards her, and uh, it's a very complex answer because there was a complex situation. Uh, right. And I think you saw the possibility. I think you saw the possibility of what could be, mm -hmm. and that that's what was so bittersweet and painful about them being in those positions. You know, valuing every breath that you have before it's taken away, and that you know you didn't want to waste time anymore. Um, standing on ceremony and allowing himself to be a victim in, a, in the loveless marriage he had been in and that he was deluding himself to a great extent and that it was time to do some growing up and moving on, which is, you know, it was the sort of metaphor for his life. You know, that was the, the um, uh, near-death experience that opened up a whole new uh, emotional avenue for him. Yeah. And it was hard too for him because he was, you know, his, his wife was not present. And so 
writing the letter to Holly and then the woman that he is falling in love with is standing right there and they're about to possibly die together in the bank vault yeah. with Jason. <laughs> with the the sorry excuse for a human being at the point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so along the same uh, lines, we have another, I don't know if I would call it a controversial fan question, but uh, people have differing opinions. It's more open-ended. Um, so we recently recapped Truth Be Told, and um, Oliver's really kind of starting to explore, you know, his relationship with Shane, and it's the scene where they're on um, her porch, and he had, or it's the what the Sam Hill scene. Yeah, yes. and when he, he tells her that it matters, that she has no plans to leave. And then he says, do you know what I want to do right now? And then they're interrupted by a phone call. So there's some debate about what he wanted to do, right? That, what do you think that Oliver wanted to do? Act on his impulses for a change? <laughs> and I the impulse you, was? I, I wanted to grab her and kiss her. He wanted to be very on Oliver like for a brief moment in time. No. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, it's a burden it's a burden to, to be so uh wound, you know wound up so tight all the time. Mhm. Mm to want to let go and and uh, and tell her all the things that he felt for her and uh, you know take her in his arms and uh, not let go. Yeah. That's so sweet. <laughs> so so speaking of which, this is this is a very slow burn relationship. When do you think that there is a single moment when Oliver knew that he was in love with Shane when it kind of clicked because there had been this slow falling and then do you think that there was a moment or do you think it kind of creeped up on mm -hmm. him? And Kristen had mentioned too that in Something Good, so that's the episode with the, um, the guitar player who had lost his memory, that's when she knew that Shane was in love with Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th I don't think there was a single moment. I think... Um, as is consistent with Oliver, that this is kind of a, a tide that slowly washes over him and the strength of his feelings, if, you know, feathered in a little more, a little more every day, um, just being around her. But for me, the, the Christmas mm -hmm. um, episode, that the scene in the uh, chapel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. When they're sitting there on the... I think that was a, an, an intense deepening. If there were, if there was a single scene, uh, that would be it. If I had, you know, if I was forced to put my finger on it, that would be uh, a moment in which he realized how much um, she means to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, that's one of those scenes that's so pitch perfect. The mm -hmm. writing mm -hmm. was just impeccable. So it was. You know, Martha taps something into, uh, taps into something that's, you know, a well that you, like a vein of something that you hit and just comes, it just comes out. And that's one of those scenes where it's just, 
it's all pure emotion yeah. and um, love and appreciation and, you know, the, the feelings of uh, feeling blessed by the, you know, the person in front of us just by their, you know, their presence. Yeah. And the Christmas movie is one of our favorites and it's the speech mm-hmm. that Oliver gives Shane at the very end about oh, how we had fun talking about yeah, that. <laughs> it, we, we love, we loved that speech so much. Which speech? Say, say that again. The one when, um, so Shane or Oliver gives Shane the, the letter from God and says, this is for right. you. And then um, Oliver gives the speech about how, you know, you family. have a family, Rita's your little sister, Norman, you have a little brother for, and you have me, an odd fellow <laughs> who loves yeah. books uh, and he, words. <laughs> he, fail, he failed to, uh, Oliver fails to define himself as her brother at that point. So <laughs> that, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I so, guess Mark better hurt write some more movies yes yes (laughs) (laughs) so we do have one one special request we have a uh, an author friend her name is rachel fordham and she wrote a book called yours truly thomas which part of it is set in uh, the dead letter office in the 1800s and we asked her if yeah it's it's actually a very um delightful delightful little book and we just enjoyed reading it and talking about it with her so much. And um, she is a huge Signed, Sealed, Delivered fan. She actually discovered it after she'd written that book. And her kids um, also, they love Signed, Sealed, Delivered. They had a whole um, party for To the Altar mm-hmm. where they had like little, I think, did they say um, Rita's um, cookies? Yeah, they had, they had Rita's cookies. They had Rita's cookies and <laughs> Yoohoo and all of this. And her kids have a couple of questions they would like to ask you. Yes, certainly. Her son Gideon, who's six years old, says, You're the best, Oliver. How many Yoohoos have you had to drink? I had, uh, I've had to drink a total of uh, two sips of Yoohoo in all of the movies that we've done. Oh. Because in actuality, oh. uh, chocolate almond milk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought, let's give it a try. And then I thought, mm, I would probably have developed diabetes if I had to drink this. Um, drink all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then her, her daughter, Adele, who's 10 years old, asks if you uh-huh. like to hike in real life. I love to hike in real life. Yeah, I uh, jog in the mountains uh, probably three or four days a week. And I can do that right, right out my... Um, front door which is so great we have um hills and small mountains all over um, nearby yeah and your lungs must be in great shape (laughs) Uh, well i gotta do something to combat the covid 15 that that (laughs) right (laughs) right (laughs) yeah all right well thank you so much for answering this question they will be so delighted to hear from you All right. Before we wrap it up, we have a fun little segment here um, that we we played a little game with Crystal, and we wanted to uh, compare answers with you. And they're just very quick, fun, fast questions. Um, it's kind of like Teen Beat from you know the late '80s, early '90s, postable yeah. style. The postable style. All right. So, who is most likely to play a prank on set? Uh, Jeff. 
Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Not surprising. That, 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 that concurs with what we got. <laughs> All right. Who is oh, most... his, uh, he's, just so, he's so smart, and his, his kind of humor, I just, I love. The first mm-hmm. time I met him, I felt like I'd known him already, and there's just something about his delivery and his timing and how dry and deadpan his delivery is. We, Kevin, the director, Kevin Fair, and Jeff and I will <clears throat> get going on set and laugh till our sides hurt. Jeff does this impersonation of Arnold Schwarzenegger that is not to be believed. And Kevin will like, love, like Kevin will act like he's an interviewer and just love him these, these easy setup questions um, to guide Jeff while he starts to riff as um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's hilarious. Who is most likely to burst out into random song in between takes? Um, that would have to be me. <laughs> yep. That's what Crystal uh, said. <laughs> that's what Crystal said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's a good deal younger than I, uh, but I, I still break into Crystal Blue persuasion from time to time. Yeah, it's something I've always done. It's almost like a mnemonic device. Someone will say something, a, a word or a phrase, and then I'll just, it'll make me think of a song and I'll randomly burst out. That's yeah, what that's, that's what we do in my family. We just talk to each other in song lyrics. <laughs> that and movie yeah. that and movie lines. It, so <laughs> that's fun. So great. Uh, now that I, now that I think about it, I'm tapping that on to my songs as well. They they, uh, they do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so who is most likely to break out into a little dance between takes? Uh hmm. Uh probably I don't know, maybe Crystal, but that's partially because she had to do the like goofy, <laughs> awkward dance. She would have to like rehearse um, all the ways in which she would do an awkward, goofy dance. So I don't know if it if it's consistently something she would do. But Jeff also, I mean, he'll he'll do a step or two um, if he's feeling particularly good. If his uh, his um, beloved. Toronto Blue Jays won a game or uh, one of his NHL teams won, he'll break into, um, you know, a, 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 a step or two. <laughs> Who is most likely to be found at craft services between takes? Jeff. <laughs> Definitely <Okay>. Jeff. <laughs> okay. He likes, uh, he likes, I, could, I like watching him go over. It's like the process not that he eats a lot at all but he likes to sort of go over and survey the options at craft service (laughs) (laughs) enjoyable uh, yeah (laughs) uh, enjoyable distraction uh for him who is most likely to laugh at an inappropriate time during filming or cry (laughs) kristen (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah Yep. You know how when, you know, we have intense emotional responses, sometimes people burst into laughter when they, you know, something very intense is going on. That's definitely sometimes for a plan of action, I think. So uh, who is most likely to contribute the most money to the swear jar? Because 
we uh, because on Twitter someone asked if this was a functioning swear jar, and so uh, we uh, well, we know it's really know that you, it's really part of the same. It's part of the that's a two part really part of the same question you just asked because okay, you laugh at inappropriate times. The laugh usually comes after a swear that left out of her mouth when she screws the line up. <laughs> uh, and you know sometimes. Martha's on set, but a lot of times she's not. But uh, the, when Martha's not around, it's like mom's not around. The swearing happens more often. <laughs> uh, but sometimes Kristen, because it happens, uh, it erupts randomly. Uh, she'll forget that Martha's on set and uh, mom will, will catch her in the act. Because <laughs> then she'll, she'll make up, she'll like, you know, drop a line and then swear and then swear on top of the swear because she realized that she swore. And then well, she said back. the exact same thing. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what so Crystal like she's said. <laughs> she's spiraling down into the, the pit of swearingness. Yeah. So who has the best memory? Uh, best memory in terms of lines? Um, sure. sure. Uh, best memory. Well, I, I think early on in the show, Martha was trying to test my limits so I because you know there were some there were some doozies of uh speeches that I had to uh memorize I probably had the heaviest lifting the first season of the show I might have annoyed a few people with um trying to be very good at knowing my lines <laughs> um probably probably me okay. without no way to answer that without sounding self-centered but um i had a a lot of heavy lifting to do that first season and i think i was able to pull it off just trying to make martha proud so i um was a bit obsessive about knowing my words inside out mm-hmm. well it was a great mental exercise for all mm-hmm. those speeches that you're going to give what <laughs> um so how did the others answer that well, we've only done Crystal, and I want to say she might have said you. Oh, it's we been don't. a few months. Yeah, we'd have to go back and check. Yeah. Again, it, like, there's no way to answer that without sounding. Oh, yes, <laughs> no, I have great memory. I'm great at this, and I'm great at that. And <laughs> doesn't so come who- easily. But <laughs> so who is the best baker or cook? Best baker or cook? Nobody brings treats to set. <laughs> well, Kristen is expert at ordering <laughs> from because of her diet restrictions. Uh, mm. So, oh I, yes, yes, uh, that that is, uh, entered the lexicon of infamous um, stories on set. Baker, I would guess Crystal. Uh, she had. When we first started the show, she owned a bar restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, because I think on her mom's side of her family, she's got, um, I think, very skillful Asian um, cooks on one side of her family. Uh, So I think she has some skills in the kitchen, but I don't know for sure. Okay. All right. I'm pretty good at the basics, but uh, 
I'm definitely not going to say it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that blueberry pancake or whatever it was you posted on Twitter looked delicious. So. Oh, the br- uh, banana bread. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate banana blueberry. Oh. So amazing. Chocolate banana blueberry. Oh my gosh, my mouth is starting to water. <laughs> yeah, we have, I have these huge high bush blueberry, uh, uh, blueberry trees in the back. Some of them, I built the netting around them because the birds were starting to take the, the berries before they were ripening and the deer were eating the leaves. And so uh. I built these huge 10 foot high cages and wrapped bird netting over them. Um, so I'm going to have more blueberries this year than in years past because uh, there's less collateral damage. Nice. Um, but that was, that was such a pain, but I'm so glad I did it because they are, the blueberries are as big as grapes. I posted a photo, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're so big. And yeah. They're just standing. But in pancakes and bread and making co- blueberry cobbler and blueberry compote to put on top of dessert with ice cream, it's just, uh, it's so amazing. And the, you know, not to sorry, I, I'm very proud of these bushes. You could tell they're they're probably <laughs> ten years old. But what's crazy is how the sun hits them up in the the upper field, so they don't come. They don't all come ripe at once. Uh, the higher bushes get more sun, so it's like they're it's like getting to go to the grocery store every day. Mm-hmm. So that like day another three quarters or a pint are are coming ripe. So it's uh, a gift that keeps on giving. And will I think for the next month or so? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's pretty neat. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, another banner year for wild raspberries too. I don't know why. Something about the the periods of rain and periods of uh, you know dry spells we've been having is is uh, really uh, it's ripening uh, the fruit this year. Mm-hmm. Not to get. <laughs> I can talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most amount of time I've ever spent at home because it's, yeah. life is usually pretty much since I moved to Los Angeles in 1996 my life has been um, being on set with periods of real life mixed in real life being you know at home and family time mm-hmm. but now it's the complete you know converse because all work has stopped and now it's like this great fantasy world that I've always hoped for to have a lot of time at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a feeling that's uh, going to come to a close as work starts ramping up again. All right. We have one last question before we wrap up here. Um, <laughs> so if the four of you, so you being Jeff, Kristen, Crystal, and yourself were trapped yeah. on an Island, what would each of you be doing until you were rescued? Each of us be doing. So if you need a little help, Crystal yes. said that she would probably be she would probably be arguing with people on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Instead of asking for them to come <laughs> and rescue you. <laughs> she said that Kristen would be probably writing her plea to get rescued. And she said that you would be hauling driftwood. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly- <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I was, I didn't know we had the option, um, would have access to technology. Yeah. I thought you meant what each, what would each person's job be if they were castaways on an island? Well, no, let's do like, that. Let's do that. Like Gilligan. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jeff would be probably trying to fish and frustrated with not catching anything. <laughs> I would be trying to build some kind of uh, dwelling. Yep. Um, yep. And <laughs> there's no way to answer this without sounding like a jerk. And the ladies would be working on their tan, probably. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, funny. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of fun to do. I mean, you just lay out and chat with your girlfriends and exactly have a drink, yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, those two women have so much fun together, you just can't even... It's a sight to behold. It really is. <laughs> so we've been told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that was, <laughs> that was so much fun and such great answers. We can't wait to hear what Jeff has to say as well. And we'll I have know, I want to hear, I want to hear his response. To yeah. <laughs> and we'll have to get Kristen. We didn't have these questions when we talked to Kristen because um, we thought of it afterwards, after the fact, but maybe we can get her back on and compare answers later. <laughs> can't wait to hear uh, Jeff's uh, interview. That's be oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. That was yes. fun. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Do you have any upcoming things we should be looking out for or anything that you can tease that we can, you know, help promote for you or with you? Uh, not right now. We're, we are in development on the romantic comedy um, from our last, I pitched in the spring um, mm-hmm. and they, Hallmark really liked this uh, romantic comedy uh, called an undercover romance. Ooh. That'll be if all goes well, but it's really a wonderful story uh, about, well, I don't want to give it away yet. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but it's really good. I'm so excited to make this one. It was, um, we pitched, I think five or six different story ideas. Some of them Christmas and some romantic comedy, but, um, this was my favorite of all of them. I'm so glad they chose this one. All right. Well, you got yeah. the scoop here, Postables. Be watching out for that. That's very exciting. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. We've had, it was just such an honor to talk to you today and just get to know you a little bit better and hear about all the fun little um, behind the scenes stories of Signed, Sealed, Delivered. So thank you so much. And we can't wait to see you back on our screens again. Thank you. That was so much fun. Well, if we can help time pass a little quicker (laughs) in this time period, then we are happy to do it. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you have any social media that you want to shout out? Uh, No, I'm good. Okay. I I do enough where I don't, you know, I'm definitely not a social media obsessed person. It's it's fun to be able to keep in touch with um, fans of the show, the Twitter, and I finally... Got all. There were several pretend me's on Instagram, so I finally I fought back and got my own identity. But I haven't really um, uh, posted anything yet. That's gonna happen in the coming weeks. It's just I'm full time dad and haven't had. I wanted to document. I'm building a a log, a bridge over the the brook right now. Started mm-hmm. to to drop some hemlock trees and build a bridge, and I wanted to sort of do that as my first post. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a great project. Yes. (laughs) So in the meantime, Postables, you can just follow Eric on Twitter. Stay tuned for, you know, pictures of the the bridge across the brook. So (laughs) we look forward to that.
Please stay safe. Thank you so much. Yes. You, you too. too. Thank you. Thank you. you. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Deliver Me a Podcast. If you want to know what's going to happen next week, be sure you are following us on Twitter at Deliver Me a Pod and on Instagram at Deliver Me a Podcast. We also have a merch store where you can buy tons of post post things for you and your friends. We'll see you next week.